Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. You are powerful. You're a warrior who bathes in your enemy's tears. Then you step out of that refreshing tear bath and into a bathrobe that somehow looks good on you. Yeah, you can pull off a robe. There. Don't you feel better? You'll also feel better when you save money for driving safely with Snapshot from Progressive. Mmm, savings you can use to buy more robes. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California, North Carolina, or from all agents. HD Smartcast. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production. Brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, this is Manjula Narayan, National Books Editor, Hindustan Times, and this is the Books and Authors Podcast. It's a weekly podcast where I speak to authors who've got a new book out. Hi, so today I have with me Sunita Dvivedi, who's written Buddha and Gandhara. For the listener, explain Gandhara. Where is Gandhara? Gandhara is a part of the present territory. Uh, which is northwestern uh, Pakistan. Yes. Eastern Afghanistan, northeastern Afghanistan. Okay. So roughly, roughly, uh, although the limits kept changing with different empires, mm. but uh, this was the region of northwestern Af- uh, Pakistan, eastern and northeastern Afghanistan. Okay. So this is like round Peshawar, like a book says, right? Yeah. You can uh, include Peshawar, uh, Jalalabad, Kabul, and uh, the areas uh, of uh, Trans-Gandhara that you can uh, call them uh, Bamiyan, and uh, actually I have covered up to bulk the yes. borders borders of uh, Afghanistan with the Oxus River, and mm-hmm. also up to Taxila. I have also included Manikiala, which is now in Punjab, but these are the Trans-Gandhara and, uh, regions. But they were all included at some point of time in Gandhara. Okay. And and these regions were part of India very recently. Yes. Very recently, mm-hmm. uh, we have Pakistan. Yes. So our heritage, Gandhara, is a part of Indian heritage. Yes. Which is a part of mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Asian heritage. Even yes. uh, you can also include Bangladesh in this, yes. because uh, all these countries till recently were part of India. Yes. So from the Bay of Bengal. To the uh, to the borders of Afghanistan in bulk, mm-hmm. on the river Oxus, they were yes. all connected with India, and yes. and majorly they were part of India. Yes. Um, so uh, our identity lies with this region. Even okay. now, it lies with this region, hmm. and the heritage of Gandhara, in a sense, is the heritage of India, the pride of India, the glory of India. Hmm. So now, you know, um, uh, Buddha and Gandhara, now the book looks at all these uh, at the stupas and uh, and um, all the monasteries and all these things on that uh, in that region. Right. And through mm-hmm. that, you kind of build um, a picture of how vibrant Buddhism was in the area. Right. Yes. Yes. So uh, what made you take on this project? You know, what, what pushed you to, uh, 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 to write this book? Actually, this is the fourth book uh, yes. on the subject of Buddhist heritage of Asia. Mm-hmm. Before this, I have already written uh, the Buddhist heritage of, uh, of India. 
and uh, the quest of the Buddha on the Silk Road of China, hmm. uh, B- Buddha in Central Asia, uh, which covered from Turkmenistan to Kazakhstan, uh, including Tajikistan and Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, these five CARs. Yes. And uh, this book is the fourth in line. So already I have been traveling to all these her- Asian heritage and it has been concluded in this book of Gandhara. Okay. So this was the last? Uh, this is not the last because after this I'm planning. Um, actually, my aim is to witness the Buddhist heritage, hmm. mainly in these Islamic countries okay. because I feel that they have really kept it well. Okay. They have really kept it well, especially mm-hmm. Afghanistan, uh, mm-hmm. the museums in Afghanistan, the museums in Pakistan. They have mm-hmm. uh, preserved the objects that were recovered from these sites so very okay. well. And okay. one country which remains is Bangladesh. Okay. So I have already traveled once in Bangladesh uh, on the GT road up to Chittagong and yes. uh, right, right up to Rajshahi. Hmm. Uh, so th- there are so many sites in Bangladesh and yes. in my second and third and fourth visit, I will be concentrating on those Buddhist sites in Bangladesh, oh. the museums in Bangladesh. So that is going to my next, be my next venture. Hmm. I hope I'm able to complete that. Hmm. Yes, of course. Though, you know, in uh, Bangladesh, I mean, Buddhism is um, like, they have a pretty strong uh, Buddhist community. So, and it's, I mean, they're still, you know, unlike in India where um, uh, people had to, I mean, it was absorbed into Hinduism perhaps. And and only the, the new Buddhists with Ambedkar came with a new thing, uh, yeah. with a new mm-hmm. worship of uh, Buddha. But uh, in Bangladesh, I mean, when I went there, I found that the, there were Buddhist temples uh, which are attended well by a Buddhist minority, of course, but still. Especially know? in the Chittagong area, uh, yes. the, Bandar, uh, the Bandarban area, the Chittagong mm-hmm. hill tracks which I made a very cursory visit, but I could find so many Buddhists uh, in the temples. uh, And uh, of course, in my other visits, I'm going to concentrate on those temples, but they are really living Buddhists over there. Yes. And they have even preserved the the body of a very, very uh, uh, high uh, Buddhist monk, a big scholar. I'm forgetting the name of uh, the bhikshu. But they have maintained, uh, they have preserved the body and it, the body is being worshipped by so many followers every day. Mm. They are thronging to see uh, the um, remains of the, uh, the monk. Okay. So there is really a very big following in Bangladesh. Maybe only uh, 2% of the population or 1% of the population, but they are concentrated in Chittagong. You asked me what, uh, why I was interested in this. Yes, in the whole Buddhist trail. Yeah. You know, tell me. Uh, actually, Manjula, uh, I will tell you that uh, for several years, uh, I have been working in newspapers. Okay. And uh, after I left my job, uh, mm. I wanted to do something of my own. Okay. And uh, then I, I remember that when I was growing up as a child, mm. uh, I lived in Kushinagar. Okay. And, uh, and I grew up among the ruins of Kushinagar. Okay. And not only Kushinagar, but neighboring areas of Kapilvastu 
and mm-hmm. uh, the neighboring area of lumbini that is only about uh, a little over 100 kilometers from kushinagar yes so uh, these areas were within my reach and mm-hmm. often i used to go to them and uh, i used to see the ruins i was greatly impressed by the ruins and uh, even in my later life when i was doing my post graduation in english and i was reading the poem of uh, robert browning love among the ruins yes i remembered that those ruins which i saw at kushinagar and kapilvastu and lumbini they had a very powerful effect on my mind i always wanted to uh, to uh, know more about the life of buddha i wanted to know more about the heritage of buddha Buddhist mm. sites I wanted mm. to visit. So uh, mm. when I was thinking what uh, what now work I should start because now I will not go back to the to work in an office. So uh, this was the first which came to my mind. Okay. And when I started traveling, I really started enjoying the landscape and uh, the the beauty of the sites. Hmm. and uh, then uh, i was expanding and uh, covering more areas like i went up to china tibet xinjiang even mm. xinjiang i went mm. central okay. asia so uh, i have been following and really really i find it so peaceful so beautiful mm. now i want to keep doing this work okay okay and also for people who don't know uh, our listeners kushinagar is where the buddha was buried right uh, yeah where he passed away and where he was cremated the mound is still there the big stupa which is called the mahaparinirvan stupa hmm. uh, is still there yeah and um, the temple where the where the shrine where the reclining buddha uh, statue was found hmm. uh, that has been preserved in a very good state and uh, these two uh, are the landmarks of kushinagar and another is the mathakuvar temple uh, so these three are the landmarks hmm. and um, the site is considered to be very very holy site for the buddhist world okay clearly the buddhists and you know in that period were very into like you know missionary activity and that's how buddhism spread i suppose so let's talk about that you know and uh, but how they were like uh, is it because of the kings who fell under the influence of buddhism that um, the population also became buddhist or what what was it like in places like gandhara see of course it was because of the royal support okay it was it was because of the royal support uh, that uh, the monasteries were built Uh, it was uh, because of the royal support that uh, missionaries could travel safely from yes. one place to another mm. and uh, but it was not only because of the royal support yes royal support was needed for the maintenance of the monastery for all mm. this embellishment also that went into the stupa and the caves because mm. embellishment required a lot of money and wealth yes and uh, you will find that many of these big images of uh, lord buddha are gilded images where mm, they must yes. use gold paint gold dust mm. so yes. uh, a lot of wealth was required which an ordinary monk would never have had mm. so it was the royal support mm. but it was also the the support also came from the traders yes the traders uh, it was called the nigam the big trading corporations that existed of those times Hmm. they were also supporting this religion okay 
and uh, we also have record that uh, the the kings which came from central asia the dynasties mm. which came from central asia like the indo greeks see the indo greek kings um, yes. we we have uh, menander we have demetrius yes so one will ask why did they support yes why did they support i, I yeah, that is a big question why did they support they came from central asia they had nothing to do with hinduism or buddhism see the hinduism would never have included the these foreign kings they call these foreigners malechas you know that uh, they had they use this term uh, the Hin- the hindus they use this term malechas for the foreigners they they did not consider them as of high caste or something they 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 did not include them in their uh, system of caste see the indo greek kings uh, especially we have the names of two great kings um, demetrius and menander of which yes. we uh, menander was known as king milind yes and we we know milind from milind pana the question yeah. of milind with monk nagasena so we know mm. that he was very interested in buddhism so you will ask why they were, he even uh, he even built the milind vihar okay. and he donated it to the sangha so mm. the question is why why did they support uh, mm. they supported because uh, buddhism was one religion uh, which did not believe in the caste system yes and even uh, the foreigners could join the sangha or they could mm. become patrons of this religion but mm. hinduism believed in the caste system yeah so buddhism was one religion on those times which mm. accepted uh, them with open arms hmm so they preferred this yes okay so in that sense i mean uh, buddhism when it started was very radical and i mean even now when people turn to it um it is the that part of it that's attractive uh, to them to indians at least i suppose no yes of course uh, mm. you, you can see that new buddhist yes uh, buddhism is very popular yes but for the very same reason that in ancient times it was popular so in that sense it's unchanged no in ancient times it uh, there was greater following there mm. was greater following and uh, it had more appeal because yes. uh, even the hindus they wanted uh, wanted to break away from the caste system there was so much yes. oppression there was so much oppression by the so called uh, um, brahmins and the upper caste so uh, mm. majority of the people wanted to break away from this caste system mm. and uh, who was accepting them the sangha was accepting them okay the sangha treated them equally hmm because buddha believed that uh, uh, you are known by the work you do by yes. your deeds not by hmm. uh, your birth so hmm. this was uh, the uh, the most important part which attracted the people whether yes. they were they were from india whether they pro- they were from uh, central asia going forward uh, do you think it's because hinduism like, like you men- mentioned in your book like there was a constant um, uh, constant tussle between uh, tussle between yeah. uh, between the two and there were there, there are incidents that you highlighted where some uh, kings went around killing monks uh, you know I, i can't remember the name of the king you, you mentioned see pushyamitra pushyamitra sunga yes it is said it is said that he announced that whoever brings the 
brings the head of a monk, hmm. he is going to pay them a uh, hundred or one thousand dinars. Hmm. So I don't know whether this really happened, hmm. but uh, but even the travelers like Huen Sang, Fa Yan, hmm. hmm. the travelers. Who they have mentioned very clearly that mm. even in those times of the fourth century of the seventh century, mm. uh, there was a continuous uh, uh, struggle between the um, the Hindus and the Buddhists. Yes, mm. and uh, even now you will see mm. that there are so many Buddhist sites which I have visited in India. Yes, uh, so many sites in Kerala. Mm. I can tell you even in, in my book I have mentioned. Yes, that uh, even now the process of uh putting hindu idols in buddhist sites is still going on i have seen those temples in kerala no, not only kerala but even in gujarat that uh, that the priests they are putting the uh, hindu gods inside the caves of uh, inside buddhist shrines and i, I have highlighted this aspect that uh, the heritage buddhist heritage of uh, so many places this it is being destroyed very recently the archaeological survey of india i had to raised had to raid a temple in uh, uh, kanchipuram the biggest goddess temple in kanchipuram and they had to recover a life size idol of the buddha from the garbhagriha where they had concealed the idol so it can oh. be said that that shrine was definitely a buddhist shrine from where the asi they raided that uh, shrine and they uh, recovered that idol and today that idol is in the uh, government museum of uh, at chennai hmm. so uh, but there are still instances where these uh, the, the buddhist shrines are being uh, claimed by the hindus hmm. i have seen it with my own eyes during my travels hmm. okay so this tussle i think it continues even in modern times hmm but looking at the um, uh, you know looking at the absorption of a lot of buddhist ideas with into uh, contemporary hinduism even that is ongoing right yeah absolutely absolutely even during medieval times uh, many hindu concepts the, the hindu idols uh, the hindu gods the pantheon of hindu gods they were absorbed in the buddhist uh, pantheon hmm even then so the, the amalgamation of the two religions was an ongoing process hmm and okay. uh, even now it is going going on that sunita dwivedi author of buddha in gandhara this was a hindustan times production brought to you by hd smartcast hd smartcast I'm Annie Apple and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series Raising April. It's the most intimate sports related conversations you will hear. Each week we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Bosa, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising April on your favorite podcast app.